Welcome to Science Radio, a space where we chat about culture, belief, wellness, and current events, all through the lens of faith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Science Radio. My name's Jesse, and I'm joined today by Zanita. Hello, Zanita. Zanita, hello. <laughs> um, but we are not alone, Zanita. We have a very special friend with us. Who is our very special friend? We have a special friend. Um, she has been a friend of mine for a few years. She is a friend of yours for a minute and seven seconds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we have uh, with us Elise Cook, um, who is also from the Gold Coast. Um, and, yeah, she she is joining us today to talk about silence. Um, it's a piece that she wrote in our August issue. Um, and she's probably the best person, to be honest, to talk about this. I feel like she wholeheartedly embraces it. And so, yeah, welcome, Elise, to the show today. Thank you. Oh. I feel like that was such a nice introduction. I'm so flattered. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Well, Elise, for having me, guys. Would oh, great to have you. Would you um, just like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Who are you? Uh, we've already established that you live apparently in the best place in the world, as Zanita <laughs> likes to constantly remind us. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name's Elise. Um, I am 30 and I work as an occupational therapist and um, disability support worker. Um, I am too creative for my own good. <laughs> um, I do like pottery and photography and painting um, and, yeah, writing and all things visual and artsy, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I just find most inspiration in um, just being outdoors. Um, which I think really inspired this piece. Mm. Um, yeah, the the creation and masterpiece of every day. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Fantastic. About me. Um, yeah, one thing I've noticed about you, Elise, is, um, you know, you mentioned you have all these creative pursuits. And I think when I'm, like, getting creative or even when I'm just, like, in life, uh, I always have, like, either I'm talking to someone or I'll have, like, music on or I'll have a podcast on. Like, I always have something happening. Um, but I feel like you are very good at just, like, you can just be sitting there doing pottery for hours in, like, silence <laughs> or, like, walking around the house in silence or whatever. It's just, like, you're very comfortable with that. Um, mm. And obviously you've written a piece about silence. Like, is that something you've always been comfortable with? Mm, that's a good question. Um I think I always find rest in silence, um, but I notice, so I grew up in Sydney, so like the first 10 years of my life, and that was filled with a lot of noise and bustling. Um, and then my family and I moved to a place called Coffs Harbour, um, and we moved to 28 acres, and um, it, was, it just overlooks a valley. It's just surrounded by trees and forest and so many birds. Um, and I noticed, like, even though I was 10, um, I didn't have as much stillness and probably as much appreciation. Um, but I think growing up um, on, on that land and just amongst nature really just, like, no pun intended, but planted that seed in me. Um, that then has just established a, a deep love and um, respect for it mm -hmm. since then. 
Um, but I think I, because I have that contrast, um, it helps me to have more appreciation. Um, yeah. I have a kind of a opposite experience, Elise. I grew up on a farm in, in nature and now I live in Sydney in the heart of, of Wurrungi here, which is actually, it's not too bad. I, I, should, I shouldn't complain too much because I am pretty lucky to have uh, bush behind me, which is lovely. You get to see cockatoos and kookaburras and all that sort of thing. Um, but we live underneath a flight path here and, and I, I never quite appreciated, <laughs> I, again, never like you, never quite appreciated silence as much as I do now when uh, there, it's almost there's no time of day when there's not some kind of noise, whether it's a car driving past uh, on Fox Valley Road or a, a plane flying overhead coming in at all times mm-hmm. of, of the day. Um, silence in our world, even... I think even if you do live in the country nowadays, it's is something. It's sometimes hard to achieve unless you really are intentional about it. I mean, we all live in a world where we have uh, technology and social media and all that sort of stuff constantly clamoring for our attention. Um, how have you navigated that particular aspect of of silence in your life? <clears throat> yeah, I um. I also relate to you because I have moved away from coughs and that property <laughs> and that <laughs> silence, and now I do live in the Gold Coast, which it does have a whole lot more noise pollution and just the constant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I recognise I have to be a whole lot more intentional about um, yeah, seeking that out, um, and it's not, it's not as easy to find, um, but I feel like, I now have to be a whole lot more disciplined in it. Um, and I recognise in myself, like, if I if I don't practise seeking out that stillness and that silence, I think. Um, I'm super blessed to be, um, to live so close to the beach. And, yeah, that's just going for a walk on the beach is, is an element of that. So even though there is noise and um, I live really close to the airport, so I relate to the whole flight path thing. It's like, yeah, I've lived very, very, very close to it. You can't even hear yourself speak. So um, well, that's not actually an exaggeration. <laughs> it sounds wow. like it, but I'm not being dramatic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to be able to walk on the beach and just be completely immersed in nature, I feel like even though it's not utterly silence, it's still an element of stillness for me. Um yeah, and I even noticed, I don't know, it probably sounds silly, but there's a difference if I'm walking on the path to then walking on the beach and, like, being mm. immersed and having my feet in the sand and in the water. There's um, a textural thing like, there, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, being immersed in nature that I feel like that's just good for the soul and it just it brings a silence to my inner noise, <laughs> mm. um, I find. Mm. Yeah, there's something... There's something different about nature, which I guess we can come back to because that's something both of our pizzas have touched on. Um, but there is this thing, Jesse, you might find this funny. Uh, the suburb that we're both from on the Gold Coast is called Chugan, and so when the planes come over and you can't hear, there's this thing that the whole of Chugan calls the Chugan pause because no one can speak to each other for like <laughs> wow. 15 seconds. <laughs> it's just like you just see each other moving mouths and hear nothing. <laughs> 
like, it's, it's like terrible. a moment of silence, but it's just not silence. No. It's yeah. <laughs> definitely loud. Pausing, waiting for this obstruction to pass. <laughs> yeah, it's another experience. But like you mentioned with nature, um, sometimes nature itself can be quite loud. I think we've all yeah. experienced like being next to a waterfall and it just being kind of like a plane, like it's just super loud. You can't hear anything. Or the same as being, I don't know, in the forest or wherever you are. But what do you think is the difference between uh, nature sounds and just like car? Because I actually in my old house many houses ago, um, for years I thought at night that I was listening to the ocean, but it was actually the traffic. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't until uh, I think I heard a crash or something and I stopped hearing that sound and I was like, ah. Man, for so many years I thought I was falling asleep to the sound of the waves and that was such a calming idea, but then it changed. Um, I don't know. Do you have any ideas about that? What's the difference between this noise compared to this noise? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like with nature it's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think like it's not controlled in a way um, because, yeah, there is such a, a relaxation that comes from like rivers and like that that sound of like running water it is a noise but it's just it's a restful noise <laughs> yeah. um that is just so different to traffic and mm. sirens and um but maybe it's just that element in itself is just like it is just natural um and it's just a natural um i don't know part of creation rather than a Man, man thing. Yeah, yeah. It, I do wonder if maybe it's because, yeah, as you said, it's part of nature. It's maybe generationally. I mean, I'm no scientist or geneticist or whatever, but I do wonder if there's a, a part of us that naturally accepts those noises because it's the noises our ancestors have been experiencing from generations from, you know, living in the mountains or living in the plains or living in the forests, you know, wherever our ancestors came from, you know, tribal people or what have you. These are the the sounds of the world, whereas Mm. the sounds that we so often experience today, whether it's from our computers or from traffic or from construction or, or whatever, these are relatively new sounds. Mm. These are sounds that we have mm. made and the the textures that we've created, the concrete megastructures and, you know, these, you know, tar pavements and the, you know, engineered carpets that we, you know, sit on and, and, and walk on. These are, these, these are new to the human experience in a way. Mm. They're a lot more overstimulating, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm then the sounds of nature can be very, like, calming. I think we've all probably mm-hmm. experienced that. So my first car, when I got my P-plates, didn't have a stereo. And so initially that's a bummer because I love my music and I love blaring it. Um, but there's not much I could do about that. It did have a cassette player, but unfortunately I didn't really have any cassettes and they didn't make any of my music with cassettes. So, um, yeah, so I found myself just, yeah, being forced to have silence even though there was the traffic noise and car noise and everything it was more a um not adding more noise to my moments um and I feel like that gave me a lot of appreciation and um yeah appreciation for silence that I recognize as being very valuable and um yeah just instilled a intentionality about it I guess 
Mm. That's really cool. I'm I'm curious to know when you say silence, uh, what your experience with silence is, because for some people, when they are silent, uh, their mind is just constantly thinking about things. Mm. Apparently, males have something called the nothing bot. (laughs) They can just think (laughs) about nothing, which I don't understand. Um, But like when when you're in silence, like what is happening in your world? Yeah. No, that's interesting too Um, because I feel like I very much have that the mental noise but sometimes it takes um, just the stopping and reducing the amount of like external input for me to actually go through that noise and um, that then produces a little bit of just, I don't know, more balance that that brings me mental silence too um whereas if I if I haven't gone for my walks on the beach and if I haven't um taken those intentional times then I can be in um I don't know I would find that I'd be stressed more or um my I don't know just things get on top of me a whole lot more um so it's like I haven't had the time and um, just the the rest in myself to go through and process those things to give me just that balance. Um, mm. Yeah, so yeah. being that lack of stillness means that that noise just kind of builds up, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So I suppose for people who aren't used to silence, when they first face silence or interact with it, it might be harder. Because for sure. All, everything will just come to their mind, but maybe once they get into the habit of it, it will be more peaceful and they'll be able to tune into that actual silence instead of the yeah. mental overwhelm. Yeah, there's more noise without. It's kind of like a, I don't know, just a cleaning thing, I guess. <laughs> um, mm. If you don't clean and maintain and manage things and they just build up, and I think it can be the same with, with our minds. Um, yeah. Mm. I'm curious about, and maybe this is a question for either of you, um, because we're going to get into Zanita's article as well. We're going to be going back and forth a little bit because you both, I don't know if this was an intention thing or an unintentional thing. Silence was a big theme in both of your articles in different ways. But the low-hanging fruit, I think, is, is meditation and that whole world of mindfulness and uh, which obviously in which silence is a big component. Now, I know that, you know, we're, we're people of faith and uh, many people of faith kind of push back on that idea of mindfulness, meditation, even though meditation is something that is widely discussed in the Hebrew Bible um, quite a bit, especially through the Psalms and the Proverbs and things like that. So, I'm just curious about how either of you feel about that or how you process that that idea because, I feel like it's almost inevitable that we kind of uh, engage in that practice to a certain degree if we're talking about being silent intentionally, whether it's something to do with restoring us emotionally, but also there is a, a big spiritual component to it. So I'm curious what either of you think about mm-hmm. about this whole idea. Yeah, I think with when it comes to meditation, meditation often stems from like, yoga practices or Hindu practices, which I think is why some Christians are a bit sus on it. Mm. Um, But I think the practice or the idea of it itself 
is like decluttering your mind and seeking out silence for your own benefit, for like clarity of mind and for like thinking things through and like for rejuvenating your soul and your body probably as well. Um, And so I think the actual um, meaning of it and the actual like reason for it is amazing Um, and we just have to kind of like, I think both Elise and I mentioned this verse in the Bible that says, be still and know that I am God. And so um, obviously he is calling us into silence for a reason and part of that reason is to get to know him and yet to know who he is and that's something that we can experience and do in silence. Um, Hmm. Yeah, and so I think like I know in my piece I was referring to silence when prayer is like difficult and when we find it hard to pray, pray, um, we can like step into silence and we can be in nature and we can just be still and that's still like showing that we trust God and that we um, are still wanting to interact with him even though we might be finding it hard to vocalize to him like we don't always have to be like praying words we can just be with god as well um, and i know that's something you elise also mentioned in your piece it's like just being with god kind of in that silence brings you rest mm. yeah for sure i am um, i think the with, with meditating as well um It'd be interesting to like look up the actual definition of what meditate is because meditate is like a big thing in the Bible. Um, mm. So it's kind of like a, for me, I, my understanding is like a, it's kind of what you're choosing to like go over in your mind. Um, and so I don't know, there are verses that say like to like meditate on the word. Um, and mm-hmm. so when there's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's wholesome things to be filling your mind with and to be focusing on. Um, whereas if we are filling our minds with, I don't know, constant um, notifications and Instagram mm-hmm. and like TV shows and stuff, it's not necessarily like, I don't know, filling our tank with healthy things. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like food. Your mind needs food just like your body needs food. So we digest things and we process things just like our our body does. Um, Mm. So what are we choosing to fill our mind with? And, yeah, that can produce rest and inner stillness, I think. Mm. The... um I think my go-to when it comes to meditation in, in the Bible is um, the opening of the book of Psalms, which is just something that I've thought about a lot. And uh, for those of our audience who aren't familiar, it just simply says this, happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law or Torah or teaching or instruction of the Lord. On his law, they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Mm. So, for me, that's just been a huge, I guess, point of inspiration of, I I wish that I, I knew off the top of my head the Hebrew word for meditate, but from what I can remember, it's it's to do with pondering, it's to mm. do with stillness, mm. and it's to do with sitting and engaging your mind and your emotions at the same time. 
um, because it's not like the psalmist is instructing us to just meditate on, I don't know, the mysteries of the universe or the unknown questions of existence. He says, meditate on the Lord's law, on Torah, on his instruction, on his teachings. And I suppose in a Hebrew sense, that's very much a tangible set of ideas, instructions, um, texts, perhaps, even if you're not literate. So there is, there is, I guess, a there's a forming process. There's a who am I becoming like and who am I allowing to shape me? Um, mm. Don't be like the sinners. Don't be like the scoffers or, you know, those those people who kind of reject wisdom. But meditate on on the Lord's instruction. And I just love that, that very natural and primal image of being like a tree mm fed by a stream of water. It's, it's a beautiful image. Yeah, I remember um, quite a few years ago, I was going through a lot and I was working at this health food factory at the time and my job was to make all of the batches of like 10,000 bars or bliss balls or granoles or whatever. So all day I would be in this cold room uh, just in like silence scooping all these ingredients into massive bins and because so much was happening, I was just overthinking things like all day and it was kind of it was making me really stressed and anxious and I remember one day there was this um we had hemp flour in the factory and onto the ingredients like on the label it had a bible verse um which is really random on hemp flour but it had a bible verse and I I read it and I was like oh well I'm sick of overthinking everything like it's just draining me it's exhausting me so I'm just gonna think on that verse and I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. say it over and over again and I'm just gonna memorize which it actually is a form of meditation like a, mo- a lot of meditation is repeating something like whether it's a mantra or a quote or whatever um and it was honestly life-saving and so I started doing that the first day and then the next day I just took in a bible verse on like a notepad and like then did that and did the same thing and just was started asking myself like what does that actually mean and what is what does that mean for me in my life and what is he saying in this and it was so restful for me like it was it completely changed kind of like my life from that point it was a complete turning point and so I think yeah when the bible talks about meditating on something it is just also talking about trying to understand it and going over in your head and like the bible says that brings peace to us Mm. Mm. amazing I think it's like um, a matter of focus too and I think it's interesting mm. to have the the parallels because I think like that's it's not just a Christian sort of faith based thing, but um, you hear surrounding like mindfulness and meditation. It's like being present and um, just like yeah, I don't know. Having having more focus helps us to put things into perspective, and so um, the other noises or the other pressures kind of just become a little bit less impacting um so Zanidi may have had like a whole lot going on in that time but because you're kind of fixing your focus on that one verse it kind of makes everything else um less impacting and um yeah it just brings a bit bit more inner stillness um yeah which is cool and there's a there's a verse that does come to mind I think it's from Psalm 131 and it says um I will not concern myself with things too wonderful for me. Um, and wonderful not meaning like good and great, but 
things that are just filled with wonder. So there's there are a whole lot of things in life I think that, I don't know, maybe we're just not meant to ponder. <laughs> things are just like it doesn't do us good to worry about everything in life. But if we if we were, then that just brings um, a lack of rest and, and silence and stillness, I think. Um, so, yeah, to filter out those, those thoughts and things that are just a little bit overwhelming um, and just focus on mm. the present and the here and now. Mm. Mm. That's good. Well, I think let's let's switch gears now and let's talk about silence in a different sense. And Elise, we're gonna I'm gonna give you full permission now oh, to be an interviewer now, right? Oh. Okay, because we're gonna we've we've grilled you and now we're gonna grill Zanita. I get to grill me. <laughs> okay. All right. So Zanita, you wrote an article uh in our August issue as well called Pray As You Can and it's talking about silence, but there's a little bit of a different angle to it. So, do you want to just guide us through what you were thinking and what sort of the idea behind the article is? Sure. So, I wrote this article um, probably reflecting on the time where I had a lot going on and where I was finding prayer really hard because I had stuff going on over like a span of three years, let's say. Um, and when you have stuff going on for a period of time and you're not really getting answers to prayer and it's really tough stuff, prayer is like really difficult. Like it's, it's really hard to just keep on saying the same thing to God and not really feeling like you're, I don't know, experiencing any breakthrough and not really feeling like you're being heard. And I think especially when people keep saying, just keep praying about it. And you're like, do you know how hard that is? (laughs) Um, Because I found that praying about it was just, resurfacing everything and so I just didn't want I got to a point where I just no longer wanted to pray I was just I would start praying and then I'd just be like no I'm really mad at you I don't want to talk to you amen (laughs) like essentially um and so but at the same time I I believed in God and I didn't want to like let go of my faith and I didn't want to just like abandon time with him essentially um and so I guess in my piece I was reflecting on the difficulties of prayer Mm. Um, and what do we do when it is hard and when we do struggle to speak to God and, like, how can we still, I guess, like, maintain or hold on to our faith and maintain a relationship with God. Um, And so I was just looking at some of the practical things that helped me um, and also reflecting on, like, the questions that I was asking during that time, like, I know, like, one of the obvious verses we think of when we look at prayer is, like, the Bible says in Matthew, ask and you'll receive, knock and the door will be open, that verse. Um, but that doesn't always happen. <laughs> you don't always get what you pray for. And so it makes you question like, well, like, is that really true? Or are the, like, are his other promises true? Can I really trust him? Um, and yeah, so they were just some of the things that I was grappling with in that. Mm. No, that's good. Um one of the things that you did highlight is that even though prayer is for many people really difficult, and I'll, I'll definitely put my hand up and say I'm in that club as well, prayer almost seems like a universal human reflex that even though many of us struggle with it, it's something that we are all in some ways drawn to. Um, 
you want to tell us a little bit about that aspect of it? Because I think that can really set the stage for an interesting discussion. Mm. Yeah, well, I think when, it was, when I was researching, it was um, studies show that 55% of all people pray, uh, which is quite crazy because you don't think that like half of, if I think of half of the people I know, it's probably not half believe in God or just if I think of Australia, 50% doesn't seem like Christian God following kind of people. Um, but I think everyone has found themselves or most people have found themselves in a position where something happens, say someone is ill or there's a tragedy, they still find themselves resorting to prayer. Um, and like people on their deathbed, it's often a place where people will turn to God and like ask for help or ask for forgiveness or just reach out to him. And so there's like this, if we look at the universe, even though everyone might not be praying the classic uh, our Father in Heaven prayer <laughs> or our, our classic Dear Jesus, Amen prayer, <laughs> people are still calling out to some higher power for help or for guidance or for a miracle. Um, yeah, and I just think that's really interesting. It's like what is this, what is it inside of us uh, that does that or that has that desire for something bigger? Um, yeah. I wonder um, what are your thoughts on how much of prayer is about us talking and how much is listening? Um, yeah, because if it's a, I don't know, I, I just think of like a, if I have, I don't know, a relationship with my boyfriend or a friend, um, if it's like talking, because sometimes I feel like that is um, what we, we just simplify prayer to is just like a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, how much of prayer requires listening as well as talking what do you reckon yeah. Nita? i don't know if i would give it like a 20 but i think i think that maybe now or maybe in my experience a lot more of it has been the talking but i also know that like um i have found silence really helpful as well like just sitting in that and i have found like answers or uh, had a voice, I suppose, come out of nowhere that has kind of given me that clarity. Mm. Um, and, of course, like the Bible often answers things. And so I think maybe because we uh, are not very good at being in silence, we miss the beauty of that other side. Um, and maybe also because sometimes it feels like hearing the other side or hearing from God can, it's not always instantly. And so sometimes it's like a delayed response. It's like back when they were writing letters, probably more the equivalent of that. Like you sometimes had to wait months yeah. for a response. Um, so I don't know. I think both are important, the speaking and the listening. Yeah. But maybe we struggle more with the listening because it's, mm. it's so different to a conversation with your boyfriend or your friend. or Because um, sometimes the answer may be no, but. If it, that is an, still an answer, but because it's not necessarily always what we want to hear, we may not, I don't know, we don't like that. <laughs> so we don't mm. want that answer. It's not a yes, yeah. it's not what we want, but it, it can still be an answer. But because it's not what we want, then it's not, we don't necessarily regard it as part of that conversation and, and a, I don't know, a response. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I do wonder how much of prayer is 
surrendering control because, I mean, this is classic human behavior, right? If we don't like an answer, we can choose to ignore it or Mm. we can explore alternative facts or we can try and come up with a scenario in our heads or even in reality that will fit what we want the situation to end up like, completely ignoring perhaps the truth of the situation. So, I do I do wonder how much of prayer is surrendering what I want to happen and allowing God to speak into my situation to say, well, actually, I have a bigger perspective and this is how I see it. I, I, I do wonder as well on top of that mm-hmm. how much God is willing to reveal to us that we can handle, like, can we handle God's reality sometimes? I, mm. that's, that's a scary ex- existential question for me. <laughs> <laughs> he is all-knowing, so I don't know if I really want, right. want all that. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of knowing in the all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could yeah. deal with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's, he's I, I think I mentioned this. Uh, I mentioned in my piece, like, when we look at suffering, there's like a million books we can read about the theology of suffering and why we suffer and the importance of suffering and what's happening in those periods. And and there's a lot of great answers. Like I think if you are not suffering and you read those books, you're like, cool, bring it on. Like I can see, I can see why this is happening. I can see sometimes the benefits of it. Um, but when you're actually in the thick of something, none of those answers really like hold a lot of weight. <laughs> and And so I think that's when it's really hard is like, Oh, yeah, obviously we know, like, suffering can bring us growth and obviously we know that God doesn't cause all of this suffering to happen. But I think when you're, like, when you're going through something profoundly painful, those answers don't really bring, at least in my experience, they don't always bring a lot of peace. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I think that's where finding other ways to, to be with God and to find that sense of assurance uh, can be really helpful. Mm. What do you think, Zanita, or how do you experience that little voice that you mentioned? Um, I think or going back to what we've been talking about this this whole time is like sitting in nature or being in nature, it just like brings you this calmness that other things don't. Uh, and I think also I think the Bible kind of calls us to remember for a reason. And so reflecting on either my prayers that have been answered in the past or other people's prayers that are being answered um, and like taking the time to look at all of the things that are around you and all the things you have to be grateful for, even though that's not like a voice, it is a reminder. uh, And it is, yeah, just that reminder that God is looking after you and that God is working in the world and that he does exist because mm. I think they're the big kind of existential questions that you just keep thinking when you're doubting things or when things are difficult. Um, and so I think, yeah, just remembrance is can be that voice that you need. Mm. Yeah. I remember um, <clears throat> thinking at one point in time, like, we do have language and we do have a voice clearly and that is how we communicate. But there is also a thing as like body language <laughs> and nonverbal language. Mm. And so I think like the same can be applied to the way that, that God speaks and, and works as well. And so 
um, yeah, that, that's a really cool thing. It's kind of like a, oh, we need to like, I don't know, not look at just the obvious, but even people don't only speak through voice. So mm. how are other ways that God speaks and um, like verse of like, draw near to me and I will draw near to you comes to mind. Like it's, it's when we do seek him and we want to find him that he does reveal himself. Um, so if we are like seeking his voice and searching for that, then yeah, we can find it outside the, I don't know, the scope of just hearing that audible, you do good or <laughs> I don't know, whatever it may be, whatever your question is. <laughs> Uh, yeah he doesn't limit himself just by speaking an audible voice which yeah is cool because none of us do (laughs) Mm. yeah i i am one thing that i've always struggled with uh is public prayer now um you know i used to be a full-time minister and so i would be praying all the time in public Mm -hmm. i would always be the one asked you know even today pastor jesse (laughs) can you pray over our food because apparently a minister more is the holy. is the only one. Yeah, it's more. It's ten percent more holy if the minister does it, which is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous conversation in and of itself. But anyway, I always struggled with public prayer because there would just be times where I wouldn't know what to say, mm-hmm. and so I would default to a certain set of phrases or ideas that kind of always seemed good, but also generic, and. I always really hated that and not quite knowing what to say in public and not just that, but then they're always, they're always the prayers that kind of come off as posturing or how much, how much spiritual vocabulary can I fit into this? How long can I go? How ostentatious can my prayer be? Um, and, you know, it reminds me of course, the, uh, the parable that Jesus tells of, you know, the tax collector and the, the priest in the temple and the, the two different prayers that they that they pray. What are your thoughts on on public prayer? Because mm. you do mention, Zanita, the importance of being around a community that prays and that will pray for you and that will pray with you. Um, but what are your thoughts on you know either of you on this idea of community uh, prayer, public prayer? Yeah, I think I, I kind of resonate when I pray around group of people my prayer will be like a couple of minutes and I'll be splittering and splattering my words like it's I just can't speak properly when I pray alone with God I can just walk for hours kind of thing yeah it's just like having a conversation so it's completely different and I often think when I'm with other people I'm like man they just must think I never pray because it just looks like (laughs) like I'm like zappy duck (laughs) but I actually do pray like actually really love going for long prayer walks and things so Anyway, that's just, it's just kind of funny. But um, I do think, I know one of the things I found really helpful when I was struggling to pray was just having like one friend, for example, pray for me. And like, I think a lot of people will say like, oh, I'll keep you in prayer or I'll pray for you. But it's completely different, I think, when they actually do it with you because, I don't know, their words just, they just speak into you. It's so life-giving when someone prays like in front of you and with mm. you um, because I think they can remind you of things and they can see into things that you can't and they can just give another level of hope. Um, and it's also when when you are struggling to have someone pray for you is really amazing. And so, 
I think there's so much beauty and power in maybe not necessarily like, you know, having someone up the front of church pray for you. I mean, some circumstances that might be awesome, but if it's more private, then it's like, you know, just having those people close to you pray for you is really awesome. Um, and yeah, I guess there's, there's a time and a place for different circumstances with prayer, like how many people or like what kind of environment you want that to be in is probably dependent on the circumstance and the person. Uh, but yeah, I think it is really powerful. And I think it's something that the Bible calls us to do a lot is to like pray with each other and to uplift each other. Mm. Would you have anything to add to that, Elise? Yeah, I um, I for sure have recognised that whole like battle and I don't know in myself. Um, in school, when I was in year twelve, I was um, I went to a Christian school, and so we had on Fridays a thing called church time. And before church time, there was prayer time. And so I, even though I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know how I get into some of the places that I do sometimes, but I found myself like leading church time and prayer time. And even though I didn't consider myself an overly confident um, person, I guess I was just seen as one of like <laughs> the good Christian kids. <laughs> and so I just kind of fell into that kind of role. And I was very aware of, um, praying in front of people and because it was like it was I don't know 300 400 people including teachers and stuff and I'm like oh I had I've, I recognized in myself I was like okay Elise you're not doing this for the people like I'm not talking to them it's not a, a performance thing mm-hmm. but I really had to like humble myself and be like what are you doing who are you talking to and focus on that and that like had to be like a discipline thing um but yeah so then it kind of like it grew and um because I think I I probably used to be more critical on other people's or find like hear certain words that they say and like I don't do that or I don't know apply certain things to myself but then that in itself, I was like, at least stop looking at yourself. <laughs> it's not about you. Prayer isn't about you. Um, and so it was more I had to refocus my direction and my gaze in a way. Um, and then I, yeah, even then doing it in, in like smaller groups, I found it a bit more intimate and daunting sometimes too. Um, and then I found myself in a, like leading a, a prayer meeting in my church now and um there was a lady um she yeah she was 70 but she was like the most energetic and childlike faith person basically in general not just for a 70 year old um and she was just so enthusiastic and I feel like just just praying with her taught me so much about prayer um because it just I don't know my prayers were just flow and evolve as it wasn't from the mind it just I'd be praying about things that I just didn't even know that they were something that I should be praying about but it just kind of happened um and I don't know it just felt like I grew in praying from my spirit which is just not a understanding thing (laughs) it's not a mind-based thing um but sometimes I'm probably opposite in in some ways to use Anita where I now find it 
easier to keep my train of thought in groups, but solo I can find that harder because I just get more distracted. Yeah. Um, yeah, whereas I used to, and I still do, but um, I recognised that I would get distracted solo and so I'd write down my prayers because I was like, okay, I'm channeling my thoughts through my hand and it just kind of makes me <laughs> keep attentive um and i found that really really good because then it also helps me to reflect back and recognize how he has answered um mm-hmm. which i find massive and just so good mm. because often we cast these things out and forget to be like oh we have answered that like thank you so much <laughs> but by writing it down it really i feel like it yeah it helps me a lot so i probably should yeah. do that more <laughs> Yeah. yeah, prayer journaling is something I've I've dabbled in it here and there, but it is something that I've heard a lot of people kind of suggest because of that reason. It's a different form, like you don't get as distracted and it's also mm. a way that you can look back and like kind of see because often when we just pray, we don't have a record of our prayers. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just forget all of the ones that have been answered. But, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think yeah, well. too it's like, David did it all the time in the Bible, right? So it's nothing new. It's not like a, I don't know, a modern day thing that we're applying prayer to doing it this way. It's like, oh, true. They have done it for a while. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I found that encouraging when I kind of piece that together. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Well, hey, look, this has been a really, really rich conversation. Thank you for the both of you, Um, not just for uh, this conversation, but for the uh, articles that you've written. I uh, know that there is far more that we could dig into, uh, but unfortunately we are out of time for this episode. So I'd just like to say for all of our listeners, if you would like to dig into uh, more about what Zanita and Elise both uh, have been talking about, the best way you can do that is by going and grabbing yourself a magazine. Uh, the August issue is where you're going to be looking for it. And um, sciencethetimes.org.au is the best place to go to find out more about everything that uh, these lovely ladies have been writing about and, uh, and even more good stuff. So, thank you for the both of you for sitting down and having this conversation. And, um, yeah, looking, looking forward to uh, the, the next piece from you, Elise and, uh, and Zanita. This episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine print subscription is $28 a year or just $14 for a digital subscription. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. This is an Adventist media podcast.